to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Bullock, and as always, we like to talk about things related to disaster recovery, business continuity, resilience, COVID, well-being, emergency management, anything that helps you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Alex Bullock there, so I'm really easy to find. Please send me an email and I respond to everything I get. Alternatively, you can find me on alexfullick.com and you can reach out that way. I've mentioned before that, uh, well, I just talked about it, really. You know, guests, if you want to be a guest on the show. Well, today's guest did that, reached out and asked to, to talk about a topic on the show. And we are going to talk about embedding business continuity or resilience into your organization. And I'd like to welcome to the show... Gary Stevenson. Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alex. Good to be here. And uh, like I said, you reached out um, because uh, uh, one of your colleagues was on the show before. Yes, certainly. My line manager, Sarah Garrington, she's uh, taken part um, a couple of times, I think, before. And um, she's she's a big one for saying, for developing yourself and for getting involved in different things in the business continuity and resilience industry. So she... um, she strongly encouraged me is probably a good shout um strongly <laughs> encouraged me to to reach out and get involved so um definitely kind of developing myself you got to be careful how you word that because i know she's going to be listening to this so hi sarah yeah yeah i don't hi sarah please <laughs> it's all positive it's all positive <laughs> now uh, you and i have exchanged a couple of emails and i know what you do could you take a moment and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into our topic today yeah, of course, no problem. So my name is Gary Stevenson and I'm based in Glasgow in Scotland. Um, I work in a UK-based law firm as resilience advisor and I've been in the business continuity industry for about four years now. Um, prior to my current uh, current work, um, which I only joined in July of last year, I was in the business continuity team for a public sector non-departmental government body in the UK, um, where I actually got into business continuity by chance. Um, I think it's quite a common thing for everybody in the kind of business continuity and resilience um, industry. Uh, I've heard it said quite a few times that I don't think anybody as a nine-year-old sits and thinks, so I want to work in business continuity when I grow up. So um, for myself, it was certainly, I came from a learning and development background before that, and in 2018, one of my colleagues sent me a, a job description for a business continuity coordinator. And uh, fast forward four years and here I am, resilience advisor in a UK-based law firm. So it's, it's, it's been an interesting four years, but it's uh, <laughs> special with the last couple. But it's um, baptism by fire, I think is a good phrase for that one. So, yeah. You really got into the industry at an interesting time, just before a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's talk, an ongoing joke the, being just thrown into it yeah yeah I think there's an ongoing joke um for myself personally with um kind of previous work colleagues that as soon as I kind of start somewhere something tends to happen so when I started in business continuity first of all um there was a big uh, kind of snowstorm in the UK beast from the east I think it was called so that was baptism by snow uh first time <laughs> and then fast forward a few years and we've got uh, got the pandemic so it's definitely it's, it's been an interesting time but there's a lot of interesting change happening at the moment as well so it's it's certainly a good time to be to be involved in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with that that's for sure. Well let's jump in the in, into the topic embedding business continuity resilience into slash resilience I should say mm-hmm. into your organization. Uh, my first question for you is how do you define embedding? 
so that's a good question. Uh, the the official definition um, of embedding is how to integrate business continuity awareness and practice into your business as usual activities. So for myself personally, I view it really as making business continuity part of your everyday conversation within your organization um, for all your colleagues, regardless of where they sit in that organization or if they've had any sort of involvement within uh, within the business continuity program. So I think it's really kind of trying to bring it front and center and part of the kind of conversation so that if somebody mentions it personally, up until starting in business continuity, I never had any sort of experience of it as a as a concept or as a kind of as a function in practice. So um, certainly for myself, it really is all about kind of getting just a basic level of awareness and then building from there with your kind of wider business continuity program. How do you go about some of these conversations then? You know, if it's talking about, uh, you know, having having business continuity as part of your everyday conversations, are you going up to the water cooler and just saying, hey, Jane, you know, how's your business continuity plan? <laughs> so what, what, what think, did that you know, entail? I think it's an, it's an interesting point. I think it's as, as, um, as wild as it sounds. I think part of it is that. I think having that organic conversation with people, um, as well as your kind of wider, um, wider actual kind of embedding and awareness raising um, program, which I can kind of chat on in a little bit. I think those kind of natural conversations, I think definitely in, in my experience, having chats with people, a lot of the time, people just don't know. When you, when you talk about business continuity, a lot of the time, and back at the start of the pandemic, actually, it's kind of a, a great example of it. A lot of the time, people think that you just sit about waiting for things to go wrong or waiting for disasters. So... Um, certainly the, the amount of people at the start of COVID that said to me, oh, it must be good for you to have something to do now. Like, I think that it's, it's definitely good to actually have those kind of conversations just to bring it up, just to kind of say, this is what I do. This is why we do it. And really, this is how everybody's involved. Because I think it, it is, everybody has some kind of involvement in business continuity, whether they know it or not, they're involved in it. That's an interesting point right there. If everybody's in, involved with business continuity, whether they know it or not, are there um, some areas within an organization that you can kind of uh, leverage to help get business continuity across? I know I've got one in mind, but uh, I'd rather hear yeah. you. So I think there's there's quite a few um, quite a few areas. I mean, I think on on a personal side, um, one of the things that I've going to try to try to do is to get your organization to a point where your, your culture um, business continuity is part of that and those conversations happen organically. So a lot of the times it could be anything from having business continuity front and center when you're looking at different kind of large change projects. So kind of linking in with change functions to kind of make sure that any anything that's coming down the road basically that's going to involve big big changes and um, projects in the business that business continuity is front and center anything from that to supplier resilience um, linking in with your kind of procurement team to linking in with learning and development to look at e-learning for example um, having an e-learning module that your your colleagues would need to do to give them a basic level of awareness which is something in the past that I I have done, um, as well as communications as do you, well. Do you mean Obviously. something along the lines, you know, when we, <clears throat> and excuse me, just about everywhere I've gone, we've had to do a, you know, a 20 minute security course or something like that. Yeah. You mean that kind of a, any learning? Yeah, everybody's favorite thing. Yeah, you're kind of mandatory, <laughs> you're learning. I think that on, on my side, um, a kind of big, a big help really with looking at what you can do and how you can get things put in place as getting a kind of top level sponsor. I think um, some kind of senior management and um, with them behind you kind of championing business continuity and awareness. Um, yeah, uh, an e-learning module basically is part of your mandatory annual um, catalogue of courses that you need to do with information security, um, cyber stuff, everything like that, health and safety, stuff like that. I think having business continuity as part of that, I think 
mm-hmm. starts that conversation, starts kind of getting it into the, the ether almost um, so that it, people at least have a, a basic level of awareness of it. Yeah, the one uh, I mentioned I had in mind was, uh, and you mentioned it, uh, projects. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, projects drives all kinds of changes, IT changes, process changes, you know, uh, document changes, everything. So mm-hmm. that I always find if you can get there first, it'll be easier to get into some of the other ones. Because even through yeah. project management, you touch on some of the other ones. You know, do we have any training we have to do? Do we have to uh, change anything in procurement, and then you can leverage all of those. So I'm glad you yeah. mentioned because that was one of the first ones you said. And I went, yep, that's exactly where yeah. I'm So Now, you also mentioned awareness. How do you mm-hmm. de- define awareness? And the reason why I asked that question is because um, I've, I've experienced it. Just hanging a poster up on the wall means awareness, and now everybody knows what's going on. And yeah. that's not correct. So what, what is awareness to you? Because you've mentioned that a couple of times now. Yeah, I think on on the poster point, I 100% agree with you. Personally, if I see a poster at a water cooler, um, I'm generally facing away from it talking to somebody. So um, on the awareness side, I think, again, it goes back to that kind of that conversation point where you have it in the everyday conversation in a business. So pers- from my kind of... Um, from my past anyway, um, the e-learning side, um, communications, having a, a level of um, visibility, I think in your in your organization for your business continuity or resilience team, as well as the different kind of work that's happening as part of that, I think it, that goes a long way to having a level of awareness where if somebody starts a business, for example, it's kind of, as well as your standard, here's what you're what you need to do as part of information security, or what you need to do as part of your health and safety. You also have that link in of here's business continuity, and here's why it's important for us as a business, for you as an employee of that business, and also how you kind of feed into that. So I think that there is a lot more things that you can do for awareness, but I think straight from the get go, having a kind of basic level across the whole business, I think it's just it's it makes our jobs easier. I think mm-hmm. when you go out to when you go out to your business as part of your business continuity program, whether that's your BIAs, whether that's your reviewing of business continuity plans or exercises and validations, those people already have a, a level of knowledge already just from the kind of the day-to-day interactions that we would have with them as a team. But places change, like people move up through the business so if you have a level of understanding as basic as it is um then it just makes it easier for us to be able to kind of engage people and if we're asking them to do something it helps them be aware of why we're asking them to do something and uh, it, it definitely does it helps helps make the conversation as, as well as your top level support it helps make the conversation a bit easier for us do you see a difference in awareness for uh, the general populace of an organization versus mm. the awareness for those who actually have to execute uh, business continuity or disaster recovery plans. Do you see a difference yeah. between the, the awareness in, in those two kind of sides of the, the equation? Uh, yes, is the, the short answer. Actually, I like to overcomplicate it a little bit more than that. And I, when I'm looking, <laughs> when I'm looking at embedding, business continuity, I generally can try to split it into three different um, approaches. So awareness, um, education, and training, which um, off the top of my head, I think it's actually mentioned in the Good Practice Guidelines on embedding. So on an awareness point, generally, and again, this is where the kind that the e-learning um, feeds in, I'll look at having your basic level across all staff, regardless of where they sit in the organizational structure or any kind of experience that they've had of the actual um, business continuity function as it stands. Um, I do also, on the education side, I look at having that more focused towards your people who would maybe have um, occasional interactions with business continuity as a function. So BIA owners, for example, or different areas learning development if they're helping you out with making e-learning courses or your communications team if they're helping you out with different articles i think having a, an 
a developed idea of why we're doing what we're doing as part of the business continuity program. I think that education piece adds on and sits on top of your your awareness that everybody would have anyway. And then the training side, um, the kind of top tier, if you like, generally I would see that as that's where your role holders tend to come in. So your your incident response structure, um, your gold, silver, bronze levels, they would have your training, first of all, mm-hmm. what the structure is, where they sit in that structure and why they sit in that basically, along with roles and responsibilities. And also um, validation exercises as well, like that kind of, that then all complements really the other two levels. They would have a basic level of awareness. They'd have, if they've maybe been involved in different parts, they'd have a level of education, but then the actual physical training itself as well. That's that's how I approach it. it I don't know if it's maybe the easiest way to, but I try to kind of split it into those three three tiers, if you like, where it's you're, you're getting everybody across the whole business, but you're going to have more people who will have a deeper level of knowledge of different different parts depending on their involvement within the actual um the business continuity program itself yeah and that's the reason why i was asking the question is i mm. i'm sure you have too but i've run across some people in different industries you know oh everybody's aware of business continuity but you know they are just hanging up a poster well i walk yeah. past posters all the time in the mall and you know wherever mm. so i'm not paying attention to them so you know, just because I hung up a poster doesn't mean mm. everybody else knows what's on it, doesn't mean everyone has the un- same understanding, and doesn't mm. mean everybody is playing the same role. So uh, I, I liked what you, you had to say there. I, I thought that was yeah. uh, rather interesting. I think on the, oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, um, on, on the awareness side, I think that really is where a lot of your work can of on my side anyway certainly a lot of your work in embedding really gets going and where a lot of it should be focused um i think it's as you said like everybody's seen a poster and everybody or most people sorry ignore it or it's just background as well it might as well be wallpaper um so from my side basically i've always tried to shout about shout about what we're doing as a as a function in business continuity as much as possible either internally, externally, or both, and um, try and kind of tie it in with different things so that it's business continuity awareness week, for example, in the middle of May. Um, If I can tie in different kind of communications campaigns with that, then you can get people linked in and get people engaged a little bit more, um, having things that are relatable to people. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly the, the COVID pandemic over the last couple of years um, I've had uh, comms pieces that have been sent out with people talking about what business continuity has meant to them what their experience has been and um, kind of linking it back into that kind of personal view I think if, if somebody has something that they can relate to even in an, on an external side if your, your company LinkedIn for example was posting something about a test that you've done across your business like a, a text message test communications cascade for example i think people looking at that if they can say oh i've i've been involved in that or oh i, I, I know what that is i think it's it helps that engagement so much more mm-hmm. and then that way that may again with your kind of other other areas and um, that you look at it just makes it so much easier having that engagement straight from the get-go And on that note, we've come to the end of our first segment. We are talking with Gary Stevenson today about embedding business continuity and resilience into your organization. And we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. What sets apart voiceamerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. 
Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. We're talking with Gary Stevenson today about embedding business continuity resilience into your organization. Uh, Gary, great first segment. Lots of good information there about awareness and uh, you know embedding things. Now, I'm wondering if you can share your experiences with um, attempting you know to to embed business continuity and resilience into your organization. You know some of the good things, some of the bad things, or some of the ideas that cropped up along the way that you hadn't thought of. Yeah, of course, no problem. Um, as it's, it's an interesting one to, to kind of look back on and think about what you've done because it seems everything when you, when you sit and take a minute to, to look at um, what you've actually kind of sat and done, you do kind of surprise yourself sometimes. Um, in the past, whenever I've looked at embedding business continuity as well as resilience in an organisation, um, I've always tried to, first of all, make sure that what I'm wanting to do is aware and taking into account the culture of the business I think it's very easy to to come up with a, an all singing all dancing program of things that you want to do um but if it's if it's at odds with the actual culture of the organization I think that that straight from the get-go um that stops you in your tracks I think so but we try to make sure that the culture is taken into account with what we're doing and as part of that as well going back to the kind of the top level buy-in I think having a business continuity sponsor um, who is senior in the organization to champion what you're trying to do, um, that thankfully in the past I've always had and it's made things a lot easier. Um, I mean, certainly as, as I mentioned with uh, the all staff business continuity awareness e-learning that we've done, um, the course itself was a basically a short and sweet course that was put together to give people an, under, an understanding of what business continuity is, how it impacts them in their actual day-to-day roles, and just to kind of reiterate and reinforce how everybody has a part to play in it, both personally as well as the different departments and functions within the business. Um, and I think having that business continuity sponsor from the start Although people might not have been too, um, too happy about it, I think that it, with it being in the mandatory courses, straight from the get-go, that meant that it was there. Like Everybody had to do it. It was an annual thing as well. So we had a refresher course um, each year just to kind of reiterate highlights of um, business continuity to people. Um, so I think certainly that that's helped in the past. Um, the course itself as well, certainly from feedback that we received it was it was something that people actually engaged with I think it's one of the, cha- the challenges and I'm sure everybody has experienced it in some form is you, you can put something together and you can think it's totally amazing and it's going to do the job and it's the best thing that's ever been been created but then when you actually start um, rolling it out to people sometimes the engagement might not be what you quite expected but um on that course, certainly, and again, it goes back to making things relatable. I think the feedback was really positive with um, even there was a section of that where we talked about what an actual business continuity incident would be and how that would impact the company and try to make those incidents that people would be aware of. So Beast from the East, as I mentioned, um, every, everybody knew that. You mentioned that and straight away people clicked like, oh, that was that was the time that we got sent home from work and got two days off because um, <laughs> of the snow. I know um, that that was at the one time actually that snow was bad enough to shut the office though, to be fair. But um, people knew like, it was different things in the media as well. The NHS WannaCry cyber attack a few years back, everybody knew about it because a lot of people were impacted by it. Um, and uh, having having that thing that somebody can read and say oh I, I know about that or I've heard about that in the news I think hooked people in and engaged them which then made it easier to kind of get that um get the level of engagement that we were actually looking for for that so that's certainly something um on my side that I would consider a big win um on the e-learning side as well we did have um 
because again, coming from a learning and development background, it's all about you learning these days. Um, the courses for the about well, the incident response structure, so your um, your gold, silver, and bronze levels, we ended up actually creating e-learning courses for them as well to give them basically an understanding again of the incident response structure, where they sit in it and what the responsibilities are. And um, certainly for people who have been um, involved previously in business continuity, I think having something that you can actually track to say some this person's done this, consider that a check um, in the box for that, I think you're using different areas of the business to try and kind of get, get things done and get people engaged. And I think that definitely did help. Um, in all honesty, more, we did notice that the more senior levels were a little bit less um, less willing to sit down to a 20-minute e-learning module, but um, there were some surprises with people doing it. So I think um, on and, and on that side as well, with the kind of challenges coming up with kind of more senior level, um, we did try to do as many kind of different varied things as possible um, to even raise awareness help with education and help with training as well. So as I mentioned, articles internally, um, articles from people talking about business continuity. The pandemic was quite a good one to um, to use. I think, again, everybody, everybody's been through it. We're all, um, all have some kind of experience from it. So using people to talk about their experiences and how resilience and business continuity help them to continue to work during the pandemic so going from mainly like the rest of the world mainly an office-based organization to one that's home-based when a lot of the time change like that is 10 20 years in the making but you have something that's done in months and and i linking that back into business continuity as a function and how us plus other parts of the business as well supported everybody to make that happen I think definitely um it's another it's another thing in your toolkit to be able to help people talk about it and help it be part of the conversation you mentioned something I, I before you before you continue on mm. before I forget my question here yeah, no problem. you you mentioned you know the beast from the east and the mm. NHS uh, National Health Service for anyone who doesn't know what that mm. stands for um yeah uh, cyber attack in your opinion and your experience so far did you make a conscious decision to use real life situations rather than using scare tactics because a lot of you know, I've, I've been around long enough that especially when I started people were always well you know the worst case scenario you know we're gonna have a flood and this and this and this happens but yeah. all of it is made up hmm. And from listening to you, it seemed you took a different path rather than using scare tactics. Was that a conscious decision? And and you know, obviously, did that work better for you? I think it was. Um, personally, I we all watch movies and we all kind of see things that maybe aren't on television and Netflix and stuff. And we all see things that aren't necessarily true to life or factual. And I think that while that's all well and good if you're trying to get people to relate to a topic if it's something that either impacts them or something that's happened I've found that that's that's worked wonders better than kind of your standard scare tactics like I think um obviously in in the UK this has been down as of late but um I was on a on a training course a few years back a counter-terrorism training course and um the, the topic itself that they were talking about was an active shooter um, scenario where something's happened in a city centre and you had to kind of respond to that. And as you say, the kind of scare tactics, like it gets people like, oh, okay, but it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't, people can't relate to that unless they've actually went through it. And certainly uh, in Glasgow, anyway, um, which is where I've worked, so like we've not had something similar to that. So if you're trying to get people to, think about how business continuity isn't just this abstract concept away in the kind of distance that doesn't relate to them having something you can relate to 100 makes it easier and i've definitely found um even just on a personal side even um 
my previous employer. Um, we were kind of, our head office was in Glasgow, but we had an office down south of England somewhere as well. And a few of the incidents that we chose to talk about were Glasgow and Scotland based. And you had people down south that were like, well, I mean, I don't know about that. Something happened. One, one of the scenarios was a, a hotel that had had a fire. And um, unfortunately, some people lost their lives in that. But um, it was just kind of outside of Glasgow that it happened. And people from down south were like, well, I mean, I've, I've, why is it all about stuff up in Scotland? I don't know about that. So it kind of hits home if people don't have something to relate to with it. A lot of the time, same as your posters that are up in the walls, they just zone out and it doesn't actually kind of hit or resonate with them. So definitely having something that they can relate to, I, I think it, it makes our job easier, definitely. Yeah, and I think to your point in the first segment, if you're using scare tactics and coming up with some of these bizarre uh, scenarios, then that's when people say, yeah, these people are just sitting around all day long coming up with weird ways to create situations so yeah. until something actually happens, I'm not going to worry about it, right? Yeah, hundred oh, percent. Like even I, I think getting across to people how many different things, and it may sound a bit um, a bit pessimistic, but <laughs> how many different things can be a business continuity incident and can affect you? Um, a lot of people don't. Other than your standard, there's been a fire in the building, or there's been something weather-wise that's happened, like. Other than that, I don't think people can uh, think so. Again, an example in Glasgow, there was um, the Glasgow School of Art, um, which is a big kind of institution and um, really big kind of historic building that had actually burned down a few years back. Again, just, uh, just after I started in business continuity, went on fire for the second time, but um, anyway. Uh, but the a lot of the businesses around the actual building itself were shut for months because they couldn't get near. The street was cordoned off because of obviously the kind of damage to the surrounding buildings from this fire. So you couldn't get businesses and people couldn't get into their homes or their offices. And that's an impact. Like if something doesn't necessarily need to impact you for it to be a business continuity incident, like there's so many different varied varieties of things that can happen that, if you can try and get things that people can relate to and try and hit home, this, all these kind of smaller things that you might not expect can also have an impact to you being able to do your job. I think it's, it, it gets people thinking and it definitely um, helps you have a conversation. A lot of the time people will sit and be like, oh, I never knew that that was a thing. Never do. So, yeah. you, there was something else you mentioned too with that e-learning uh, course mm. and awareness that you got a lot of feedback. So mm. what do you do with that feedback when you get it? Do you change what you're doing? Like what, what happens? I think you definitely do change what you're doing. Change the bits that need to change. Um, so for, for myself, um, feedback's always a good thing. Um, if something maybe isn't necessarily landing or working, and I think this is not just e-learning wise, but for like the rest of maybe your awareness campaign or embedding campaign that you're looking at I think you shouldn't be afraid to change tact and do something different so certainly um feedback that we received um again relating to the incidents maybe being focused in Scotland as opposed to uh, in England as well like changing things like that so it's relatable to people so people know what we're talking about um having links and like you different maybe areas where it came to us for example information security saying we have this thing here this um campaign that we are doing which is looking at preventing a cyber attack can we link in with you as well to make sure that we can kind of get a joined up approach which then again you're kind of linking in different areas and you're you're kind of helping them to make their job easier and vice versa but i think taking that kind of feedback and improving it it's 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 only going to um, going to improve what you're offering people and even the the annual refresher for example um, we kind of brought that in after the initial launch of the module to try and make it easier for people to have a, a shorter um, refresher of business continuity as it stands so something like that 
again, it's maybe not necessarily everybody's favourite topic, uh, e-learning, but something to try and keep people engaged and something that's not going to straight away switch people off, I think. If, if people are giving you feedback, we should really be listening to that. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I, I liked what you said about uh, leveraging some other groups because mm. that uh, I'm assuming that helps break down some silos, which would make yeah. it easier to embed business yeah. continuity and resilience into processes, right? Yep, yeah, oh, 100%. I think so much of what we do and resilience and, and business continuity, especially with regards to your, your BIAs, you're going out to your business and you're talking to them and making them think about what they do and dependencies that they have, different systems that they use, um, that there's so many things that you, like information, so much information that you get. If you only used it for your BIA and for your business continuity plans, it's not really kind of using it to its full potential. So I think that there's been, certainly in my experience, there's been situations and meetings where we as a team have gotten involved with um, change projects for different big systems and we've actually ended up flagging a concern that although you would assume that people going through the kind of discovery phase and whatever else um, would have already thought about and addressed something had flown under the radar and as part of our BIA work Again, informal. Actually, this was actually interesting. Informally, over a water cooler conversation, I asked a question: "Have you thought about this?" To somebody who was on the project team, and they hadn't, and that then kicked off meetings and kind of a, a flurry of panic to look at addressing things, which eventually was addressed. Which, if that water cooler conversation hadn't have happened, this could have been an might have been caught down the line. But if it wasn't, it could have been an issue that would have had major impact to the business and then would have been an incident anyway because of the impact that could have came from that. So mm -hmm. I think definitely it's but I have, having an open mind to discussing with different areas of the business helps helps to embed business continuity and also just helps other areas, as you said, breaking down silos. It helps other areas um, use what's, what's there, whether it's information that we've gathered as part of our BIA or it's um, industry best practice, stuff like that. So definitely those conversations. And again, having it at, as part of the conversation helps helps drive those, um, those different approaches to be better. And like you said earlier, you know, business continuity is for everyone. So it can't just be yeah. in a silo, you know, one group responsible. Yeah. Everybody's got to be a part of it. Yeah. Definitely. If somebody doesn't um, know about a phishing email, click on a phishing email, somebody gets malware on their computer, then before you know it, you've got an NHS WannaCry kind of tribute act and your business is, we as business continuity and resilience, your crisis management teams are stood up to deal with that. So it's something that you would think is information security can easily become business continuity and yeah. resilience and vice versa as well. So it's def definitely, it's all connected. And on that note, we've come to the end of our second segment. We are talking with Gary Stevenson today about embedding business continuity and resilience into your organization. And we'll be right back. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fulick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. We're talking about embedding business continuity resilience into your organization with Gary Stevenson. Gary, lots of great information there uh, in the first two segments. Now I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the challenges and how do we overcome them? 
Uh, everybody's favourite topic. Um, <laughs> certainly on on my side, one of the things that I've I've come up against in the past is um, first and foremost time and capacity. Um, I've had currently as well as previously had quite small teams um, for doing uh, your business continuity and your resilience work. So a lot of the time you'd have a project planned of different things that you're wanting to do and life happens, um, pandemics come up, which then naturally means that you're not able to do everything that you set out to do. So certainly on that side, using going back to kind of linking in with different areas i think using different areas to help out with the development of different things it makes our job so much easier um so your e-learning stuff with your learning and development team and your communications articles or anything with your comms teams like while we as resilience professionals may have the kind of content they're the ones that their day job is e-learning or comms so they're the ones that know how to get that content put across in the right way so I think definitely linking in and using other areas as much as possible helps with the challenges that will come from time and capacity and as well as your kind of your um, uh, other areas that you're linking with there having your response structure and again it kind of goes back to embedding um, resilience and business continuity if you use your response structure who have a level of um, exposure to the business continuity and resilience program they should be and they can champion it in their areas whether or not it's sending out emails that have been sent to people whether it's kind of making sure that people are aware of different things that they should be aware of like password security updating personal numbers if they need to be contacted during incidents stuff like that I think definitely Using what you've got 100% helps overcome some, well, not all the time, but some of the challenges that will come from having a, having a small team and not having as much time as you would, as you would wish to have um, to put to it. Engagement as well. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, um, engagement as well. I think it's the same as I mentioned before. A lot of the time you could come up with something that you think is fantastic and, and may not land um, as well as you want it to. So having having the ability to accept, you know what, that might not have worked the way I wanted it to. Let's take a step back and let's be maybe more flexible with how how I'm approaching what I'm wanting to put across. So a lot of the time I've tried to think outside the box as much as I can with um, different ways to raise awareness um, and embed uh, resilience in an organisation. So even with your kind of calm stuff and your e-learning, I've tried to do different things. Like I made a board game for uh, for a director at a way day called Master of Disaster, which was an interesting one um, to kind of help people understand what's involved in responding to an incident, as well as um, doing like role play quizzes as well at um, different kind of departmental away days as well. So kind of getting up in front of people and instead of, going through a PowerPoint of this is what I do as a as a job role. You're kind of getting people involved and getting them engaged. Um, which again, like if you're flexible with how you approach your your different things that you want to do for your awareness raising, I think your engagement, you're not going to get everybody. And I think if as long as you're kind of you're able to see the bigger picture and take a step back and think, this hasn't worked, let's look at something else. I think definitely that does um does help you get around that kind of engagement point. Well, my question for you then is, there, there's some listeners out there that are ha- are struggling with trying to embed mm. uh, business mm. continuity, resilience, IT, DRP, crisis management, whatever, into yeah. your organization. Do you have any quick tips if they have nothing in place right now, but want to mm. really start focusing on embedding? Are there any quick things they should focus on first? to get them started yeah. on that path? Yeah, of course. Um, first and foremost, having a senior level business continuity or resilience sponsor, I think having somebody in a kind of senior level in your organization, being able to champion what you do and to be able to um, maybe fight for you a little bit to say, this is why we are getting all staff to do new learning or why we are having all these articles internal and externally. I think having 
somebody in your corner helps us um, definitely. So having a business continuity sponsor and involving other areas, 100%, I think if, if you use what's there, learning and development, communications, marketing sometimes with maybe surveys, stuff like that, use what's there in your organization to try and make your job easier. And um, also as well, wider to just your business, look out, look externally, um, get on LinkedIn, see what other people are doing, engage with other professionals in the industry. I think it's, there's, there's no shame in, in reaching out to somebody and asking them for hints or tips about what they do. So definitely even podcasts, um, articles, stuff like that that's out there. A lot of other professionals have either went through what you're looking to start doing or um are their business anyway when they started have been like all signal dancing from the from the start so definitely use use experience and use what's out there both internally within your business as well as externally in the in the way they're designed profession and even if you've been doing it for a long time you're still going to encounter mm-hmm. new challenges you haven't yeah. encountered before so yeah. you know, even myself i'm not afraid to ask somebody you know how do you address this situation mm-hmm yeah, I've been doing this for almost 25 years, but I'm still going to encounter things I've never encountered before. Yeah. So that, that there's no shame in asking for that assistance, right? A hundred percent. I think on the on change, definitely something that is always going to happen. You're going to have something that we in the past would have done um, work area recovery tests where we got a hundred people in the, in the business on a bus across to a work area recovery site to, again, as part of your awareness raising campaign. But with the pandemic, um, certainly on, on a personal side, they're not as needed now, the recovery site. So then being able to think, right, what else can we do then to get people involved? I think things are going to come down the road, but as long as you're flexible and you're able to take a step back and use um, knowledge that's out there, then it, it definitely helps, helps make the job easier. Yeah, I, I think the um, leveraging what already exists is so much better than trying to recreate mm. a meal. Yeah. Because people are, people are more in tune with, oh, I'm aware of that process. Oh, I didn't know how business continuity fit into that, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's it. We've, as much as different parts of an organization feed into business continuity, we feed into different parts of the organization as well. So if you can use what's there, um and again, make the, make it part of the conversation in your business. Then those water cool conversations. Instead of looking at your poster, if you can sit and actually talk to somebody, then then you're you're more likely to to get that get that concept embedded and get it kind of part of your culture in your business. We've got uh, two minutes left. So, uh, any final thoughts? Any final comments that maybe cropped up while you were talking with us today? Yeah. Um, I would really just say, again, it goes back to the, the conversation point. Just don't be, don't be afraid to think outside of the box when you're looking at how you can get people talking about resilience and business continuity. Um, some things that you come up with might be great and it might work. Some things might not. But being able to try different things in your organisation, 100%, I think that whatever you can do to try and get people talking about it, it's, it's one of the kind of key things in my side that I've tried to do in my four years anyway with raising awareness. So, um, and don't be put off. Don't be, um, don't be upset if things don't land. Just keep going. Well, yeah, but you have yeah. to in a, in a crisis yeah. or disaster situation anyway. You can't give up. Yeah. You have to keep going. So exactly. even if you're trying to get that message across, you have to keep yeah. going. Yeah, definitely. So... Gary, we've come to the end of the show. Thank you very much. Oh, actually, you know, I, I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. If, if you can yeah. uh, take a minute before I forget. Yeah, of course. Resilience is kind of considered a state of mind or a state of, um, you know, being. Mm. Any quick tips on how you embed that or get that kind of thing started? Um, so uh, resilience is one of those things where it is as much as business continuity feeds into resilience, I think resilience is so many other different things as well. So again, get a part of the conversation, link it into things that people know about and things that are relatable to people. So even coming down to somebody being resilient in the sense of maybe 
um, uh, using mindfulness apps to kind of manage stress or having a, a grab bag to grab if you're going to leave the house um, and a kind of short notice and a fire or something like having things that you can have ways to get people talking about it naturally and organically um, and something that they can relate to. I think definitely it's, it's, it would definitely help. Um, and then you can then develop on top of that, but having a basic level of understanding, I think as part of a conversation, it's a good, good place to start. Great. Well, thank you very much, Gary. I really appreciate your expertise and uh, sharing your time with us today, um, embedding business continuity resilience in your organization. I think there was a lot of information here for uh, listeners, and I really hope they pay attention and use some of your suggestions. Great. Thanks for having me, Alex. Uh, thanks for reaching out. You know, you're one no of the problem. people I always mention at the beginning of the show, if you want to be a guest, you want it to mm-hmm. be, and here you are. And it was your first podcast, by the way. It was. It was. I managed the nerves, I think. So hope, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> you made it, you made it through. It sounded great. You gave lots of information. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate it. So thanks very much, Gary. Thanks, Alex. And to everyone watching and listening, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.